You found it, the home of red-blooded American patriots. The Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of the Patriot Review. We have a packed episode for you today. Uh, first off, we have Marina, a California mom who is fighting back against critical race theory and other woke extreme isms in the school district uh, where she lives. So we'll start with that. And then that is followed by a gentleman named Alan Lee, who is running for president. Uh, as an independent in 2024. So a couple different uh, interviews, interesting things for you. So let's go ahead and get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Patriot Review. My guest is Marina Gable. Marina is a parent activist, a patriot, and she is passionate about the subject we're going to talk about today, which overall is education. So Marina, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here and Thanks for putting up with all the technical stuff to get rolling here. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Yes, thank you. So tell, again, we were talking before, So, um, but our viewers, if you would, just fill in a little bit of your history and your story about coming uh, from Croatia, your father coming, and, and going back there, if you would sure. mind. Sure. Um, I'm a first-generation Croatian. And um, that rhymes. Um, my father, since I was a child, uh, told me that Croatia would again be a free country. And in 1990, uh, we went back um, to visit family. It was the first time he's gone back in 40 years. And um, they had their first open like political gathering. Uh, and for the first time, the communist star had been removed from the flag and the Croatian coat of arms was on the flag. And this was something I was actually seeing, seeing what he had explained to me. And he was so happy um, because he had left Croatia because it was a communist country and came to the United States because of the freedoms uh, that he could have here and became a business owner and our family business is still 50 years plus and he couldn't have had that where he came from. So to, to experience that um, with my father and, and understand what he went through to come to the United States and to appreciate that, um, it gave me a sense of uh, that, you know, if he was still here, he's, he passed in 99. If he was still here, I think he would be very disappointed in, in what has been happening in our country. Um, so you have a very, where you, you have a very yes. interesting perspective then. And you, you hear a lot of, people that come from Cuba, people that come from the Eastern Bloc countries, you know, like your, yourself, the same story of, you know, Americans don't really know what they have, do they? Or a lot of Americans don't know what they have. Right. To appreciate what we have here. And I, I want, I want, I'm passing it on to my son and I want him to have a successful future here. And to realize you work hard and you'll get what you want. That's what you can do here in the, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's very important to pass on to our children. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's funny because one of the things that comes to my mind all the time when uh, people with your experience talk, when talk like this is, you know, um, People, the way that people are throwing around the critical theory now, and basically it's just 
warmed up leftover Marxism now focusing on race instead of class and using that to you know install Marxism and, and take people's freedoms away America a lot of Americans just seem to be asleep and really not paying attention to how this is warming its way into you know business and education and everyday life um, yes um, and and canceling people for not believing in these concepts um, I have to yeah. say you know I, w I was brought up in America and my parents tried really hard to become Americanized and so you know I went to school but my parents were still involved with my education and so I I have been involved with my son from TK, now he's in fifth, and I stayed home uh, due to the pandemic, mm -hmm. and for the first time, his curriculum, the, the curriculum at the school he was at, drastically changed August 2020, and I, I, for the first time, was exposed to critical race theory, uh, racism, um, Basically, my my son was exposed to even the teacher exposed him to suicide and gender stereotype, and um, and this was it, it, it was for my child, but it was even confusing for me. I didn't understand why why are why are you even? It's like going backwards in time. I bet you were shocked by that. Um. So, and you, yes. you were exposed to that because of the COVID lockdowns, right? Correct. Zoom gave me a view into the classroom. And this was a new teacher who had only been there for a year. And I didn't know anything about her. Uh, I asked my son to be transferred to teacher he'd known. She'd been there for 19 years. And I was told that I had to have a reason to transfer him. And uh, I had a reason within the first week to yeah. transfer him to the other class. Well, I was reading in the, the news earlier today, and one of the articles I came across was that thousands of teachers are now vowing that they are going to teach critical race theory regardless of what the laws are, what the government does in their state. Um, you know, so since when did the uh, the teachers go from understanding that they are to educate people's children and not be their parents or their social justice uh, brainwashers to what we have today. Um, yes, it's it's uh, it's actually really scary. And um, personally, uh, you know how now officers are forced to have a camera. Yeah. I almost feel like this is something that we need to work on for the classroom. I mean, since the Zoom came about, this this is where parents have seen what's actually happening, and they're waking up, and yeah. that's why this is happening all over the United States, is we've been exposed to it, and we're not happy, and it needs it needs to stop. It does. It needs to stop immediately, and, and I know that there are some schools that do have cameras in the classroom. You know, and that idea, is, I think, is a great idea to have as a mandatory requirement so that parents can drop in and look at look at the class, hear the class, see what's going on, you know, because... And uh, I'm a school bus driver. I've got cameras around me all right, the time. Right. It's a school district policy. I mean, yeah. I don't see how it it can happen. It should happen. So the COVID lockdown... What did you see other than just, you know, the COVID lockdown, in my my opinion only, was used as a political weapon, and it was used for all kinds of reasons, you know, getting rid of the middle class and, and uh, forcing people to become more government dependent and those sorts of things. But what effect did you see on your son during all that? Um, I, I know, I know that the struggle for many children being removed from every everything they know, literally in a day, no 
one-on-one -on -one education. They don't get to see their friends face-to-face. -face. They don't see their teachers face-to-face. -face. There's no sports. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no extracurricular activities. Everything just ended. And that's very dramatic. I know they say children are flexible, but this was beyond being flexible. This caused anxiety, trauma, yeah. Um, suicide. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people, you know, have, thank God, I, I can't even imagine if that happened. Um, but my son had to go to counseling and I have him go once a week because he was having so much anxiety because with zoom again technical issues just like we had in the beginning mm -hmm. but we're adults so we you know we figured it out right right but for a child you know if if you've got your parent at home saying hey why aren't you in class and then uh the child's like i i can't get in and, you know, it, it causes this anxiety and frustration and meltdowns and breakdowns. And, and it's not the way it should be for school, for education. Right. Um, it's tough enough. You're, yeah. You know, you're, you're in a learning environment. And, and when that's taken away from you, um, yeah, uh, children lost. I, I believe children lost a year and a half of proper education. I think you're right. Even for, so, even for the parents that consider themselves involved and active with their kids. I mean, it's not the same environment to your point, the distractions, you know, the distractions you're, you're going to sit on your, your Chromebook as a student and you know, your, your Xbox is five feet away from you. Are you really going to listen exactly. to your class or, you know, Unless you're, unless you're watched, and I, I would have done the same thing as a kid. On top of it, how many parents were forced to go to work yeah. and leave the child at home to educate themselves, basically, mm -hmm. to make sure, you know, I, I was with my son for 12 weeks at the beginning, but I had to go back to work after that. I have to have an income, yeah. you know? So yeah. I had, on my phone, I would call him every time he had to get on and remind him, hey, you have a class right now, when <laughs> I, I could. Because, oh, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. You know, yeah. he's 10. So right. um, a lot of people don't have, didn't have those options. They had to quit their jobs, uh, you know. And So when you found out what was being taught, what, what was it specifically that made you take action that you saw? Um, the form in which it was brought to the kids in the classroom, uh, it was called, it's a program, it's called Kahootit. People can look at it, look into it. Teachers can literally program it in any form they want as a video game. So you can plug anything in there. She called it a vocabulary test. And then I looked into it, and it was called gender stereotypes. And it she used comic strips and um, ads from old newspapers and magazines, and it was utterly confusing. Um, basically, had nothing to do with vocabulary. It doesn't sound like had nothing to do with vocabulary. That's the other thing. And plus, it's only available for two hours. So your child is playing this game because they want to get the highest score. And so they'll play it over and over again, even if they don't understand the content. But visually, they're seeing a cartoon. Right. And it, what, for example, stick figure, stick figures of girls and boys at a chalkboard with math. And it says boys are better at math than girls. And it's only a true and false answer. So if you say, yep, boys are better at math than girls, you get it right. But if you got it wrong the first time, you can go back and play it again and get a higher score because now you know what the answers are. Yeah, and notice how so it's notice how it's you know this stuff is not available for you to look at. It's not like having a textbook that you can pull out of their backpack, right? Correct. <laughs> so sneaky ways. Yeah. Of exposing your child to this. Yeah. Yeah, I had. Uh, uh, Fortunately, I live in a pretty good district, but there are still some things like 
<clears throat> Scholastic sells a lot of garbage, a lot of pro BLM oh, Marxist yes, garbage. And, you know, so have- that's one of the things that prompted me. But so you then you took action. You wanted to change teachers. And how were you met when you brought that up? Um, I was told that I still should wait the full three weeks prior to asking for my son to be transferred and that um, they would go over uh, what we discussed. And I I spoke with the teacher, the principal and the equity department head. And I was told, we'll go over what we discussed. And I said, no, you're going to transfer my son now. And I said, is there a waiting list? No, there's no waiting list. And I said, well, I know that another student is no longer in the class I want my son in, and I want him transferred now. And it's really good to have inside information. If Mm -hmm. you have a teacher you know you can rely on the information um, to help you. Um, The teacher I got him transferred to, by the way, he was transferred the next day by 2 o'clock because I am an aggressive parent when I'm protecting my child. Good for you. And it's okay to do that. It's more okay pa- to do that. No, more parents, more <laughs> parents need to stand up and say, damn it, this is my kid. This is not your kid. You don't That's get right. to, you don't get that to decide. Right. Yeah. So, and the teacher he was transferred into did not teach any of that. She taught proper history, science, English, math. Right. The stuff you, and you and I have fought. Nobody Nobody felt bad about themselves. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Nobody was an oppressor. Or a victim. Or being oppressed. Yeah. Um, so beyond the teacher and beyond the transfer, then I know that there's a school board element to your story. You want to go into that a little bit? Correct. Yes. So I asked what would happen to this teacher who exposed my son to something that is literally a belief system that I don't agree with as a parent. And they said they can't let me know. So I turned her, you know, the information into the California Teachers Credentialing Association. And uh, they investigated her and said that she did nothing wrong. And did that surprise you? No, not at all, because I'm in California. Yeah. Um, So I wrote letters. I went to school board meetings. Um, I found other parents going through similar situations. I started educating myself. Um, You know, that term they're using woke. Yeah. I, I, I'm awake and it's a nightmare. (laughs) And I'm, 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 so I decided to take the next step and I started the process of recalling all five members of the school board that my, the district my son is in. Good for you. We need more people yes. to stand up and, and and do that. And so a lot of parents are standing up and they're speaking out about this part of it, about education in particular. Um, but I think we need to go a step beyond that and get involved, you know, even more involved in the, in the political side of things as parents because... Well, what I tell... I tell everybody is you take action at the level you're at. Right. I'm a parent and I felt this can be done and other parents felt the same around me. And I I find out every time you talk to somebody and you, you explain to them what's happening and they're like, this is really happening. I said, yes, (laughs) I was, I was right where you were a year and a half ago. Right. But if, if you care, what's happening to your kid in school, you're going to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you have a saying that you like to share about politics or political parties. Yes. Um, yes. Um, since I've been doing this, a lot of people have interviewed me for like the LA times and, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the, on the news. And I, I'm always asked what my political affiliation is. I don't think this has anything to do with your political affiliation. I think it has to do with being a parent mm-hmm. because I, I, I know people that are Democrats. I, I know people that are independent, I, Republicans, everybody, conservatives that are not happy with this. 
And so I describe myself as political party of parents. Excellent. <laughs> that that is common I'm sorry ground. To be party. That is that is yeah. <laughs> You're going to be president once 2024 running for the parents party. <laughs> right. We almost right. need that, don't we? Uh, I mean, it's crazy what's going on. Yeah. Not I only think, not, I think we <laughs> Yeah. Not only with education, but look at the money that's being spent that we don't have and this, the debt we're straddling right. our kids with. So Yes, and then that's another thing that's going to affect our children's future and their yeah. children's children. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's devastating. It's devastating. So let me ask you a question. What do parent? Sure. What do parents do? What? How do they actually put the fear aside? And what are the first few steps that they can take to get a start on making this change? Well... Talking doesn't do a lot. Uh, action. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a big talker, believe it or not, but once you get me started. Um, my whole life and my experiences, and, and if you want something to change, don't talk about it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. So go to it's the school very board simple. meetings. Go to the school board meetings. Uh, look go and to pay the attention. Write the letters. I mean, I've been to so many meetings. They say, you know, um, try and try and um, find somebody on the school board that that's has similar beliefs that you do, and and similar. They want the kids in school. They don't want masks on the kids. They don't want crickets. Um, if you can find somebody on a, on the school board, that's great. I don't have that option where I am. Yeah. Um, write letters. Uh, you know, go to meetings. Let your voice be heard. It, th there's no reason to be scared. They're just people just like you. Yeah, agreed. And um, <clears throat> if you have to take it farther, take it farther. So where is your particular case at right now? Um. I'm in the seventh week of collecting signatures. We need 20,000 plus by October 19th of this year. And one of the ways you mentioned to do that was kind of creative and it had to do, I think, with COVID that we talked about. Would you share that too? Yes. Um, well, I'm going to start from the beginning. Okay. Everybody needs to have a Facebook page, get your parents together, get a website. Um, if you're doing a recall, you need a website so people can literally in the entire district just print out those petitions on their own, collect signatures, get a P.O. box, let them mail it in to you. Um, but I, I found other districts in California, San Francisco, um, and there's, a, there's another one I can't remember right now. Um, and what they've done is drive through petition signing. So if you you know a business or somebody who has a large parking lot, you don't need permits. Um, you just have to have an area where you're not going to back up traffic. And you set up tables. You have about 20 people. Um, car pulls up. You hand them the petitions. They sign them, and they go. And you just one person after the other. Um, I think San Francisco has done multiple. I think they've done three, three now, um, and they're successful. You you can get a lot of signatures because, especially here in Sacramento, it's so hot. Um, just getting people to get out of their cars to sign a petition, it's it's a process. So if they can be in their air conditioned vehicle, and you know you can offer them a glass of lemonade. <laughs> oh supposed to do that? I don't know. We're, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't we know are, how those rules work. We are spoiled Americans, <laughs> that's for sure. Right? And, and that's true, it because true. Um, if, if you can make it as convenient as possible, it, it's going to be easier to get those uh, oh, petitions. Like, I, the signatures. So I've been going to parks, um, to sporting events because now parents are back out there with their kids mm -hmm. and they're loving it and they're mad. So they're signing those petitions. Good for you. Farmers markets are great. 
Farmers markets are great. Of course, Walmarts. I I cannot go to a Walmart though. I I like to sit in a park. <laughs> I want to see kids. I want to meet the parents. I want to take the time to be able to talk to people. And they're much more relaxed in a park than Walmart in and out. So, um, plus for my own sanity, that's just me. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. And the farmers markets are great because you also are supporting your local farmers. So, you know, if, if you're doing something where you're supporting somebody else on top of them supporting you, yeah, it, it, it works out great. So what is, and that's why I found a lot of help too. people to help me with like press releases, get me into newspapers. I mean, you just run into people who want to help you. Yeah. Well, that's one positive out of all this. We are seeing that people are, are becoming closer a closer community of sorts because of this stuff, which is good. It's, it's, it's great because when you feel a little deflated mm -hmm. and all of a sudden somebody walks up to you and says, Hey, how can I help you? What can I do to make, make this happen? Cause this needs to happen. So there's, I have not had a bad experience with, uh, with people. If they don't want to sign, they just walk by. Yeah. Oh, yeah something really funny is that okay sure um i was in a park uh for it was a, vi a women's veterans day 5k race and we were out there supporting the veterans and also getting our signatures and a gentleman with his wife and dog walked by and he went to drink out of a water fountain and i asked his wife i said would you like to sign our petition and she said no I don't think we will today because he's on the school board. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually happened. Did and she shake, was very, very nice. And did you just, shake they kept hand? walking did, their dog. Did you shake his hand? No. And say, it was nice knowing you. No, he didn't comment, but she said, well, have a wonderful day and good luck. She was very nice about wow. it. So it was just good interesting her. situation. Like that's funny. Well, yeah. so did you, do yeah. you have an existing website today? Yes, um, it's Recall San Juan, uh, B B O E Board of Education B O E dot org. Gotcha. Recall San Juan B O E dot org. Yes. Correct. Correct. Okay. Awesome. Um, any any last thoughts? Any Anything that you wanted to get in, but I didn't ask you the right question or feelings that you want to share? Uh, oh, very important. Uh, free, the F Freedom Act, uh, uh, Freedom of Information Act. Right. For parents that don't know what's happening with the curriculum because they don't have, you know, a camera into the classroom anymore, mm -hmm. you can request the curriculum before your child is exposed to it, um, I suggest every parent make that phone call, call the school, say you want access to the curriculum, and, and, and if you want to, tell them, I don't want it online. I want to come in. I want to look at the books. I want to, I want to actually see it. Um, and they have to get back to you within 10 days. Yeah, so that's it's a, the law. commonly called a FOIA request. Um, great idea. I hope that people will, will listen to that, encourage them to do that. Do you have as a part of your website, the, uh, a link to that or paperwork for that in particular? Or? Um, no, but I can add it. Okay. Our, uh, I think I just actually downloaded it. I just, I think I just downloaded it. I, um, I got on a site and I downloaded it. So um, I, I can what. ask my web guy. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you share the link with me, I'll put it in the description of the show here as well. Okay, great. Um, I feel like there was one other thing. I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all um, the time. <laughs> overload of people with information. Um, and it's always one person I have a friend uh, so whenever you go to collect signatures always have a second person with you that's really important Agreed. because you never know what's going to happen and you need rest <laughs> yeah and preferably 
uh, exercising your Second Amendment right if you're in the correct state and and concealing, so you're not you're not uh, caught without protection. I know that sounds paranoid. Yes. But... <laughs> no, no. San Francisco. Um, I was in direct contact with. There was a gentleman collecting signatures, and a man stole the clipboard. And he took the petitions off the clipboard and put them in his back pocket and threw the clipboard under a car. And this gentleman chased him and wouldn't let him go and said that he's breaking the law. And people videotaped him and recorded him. And he was forced to hand the petitions back. And it's still being um, they haven't put this guy in jail yet. I'm sorry. He's supposed to go in jail. He basically broke the law. No, so, you only go in jail if you're a Trump supporter outside the Capitol. Then you go in jail. But if you riot and loot and burn down buildings, then we right? the VP sends you bail money. Right. So um, I don't know what actually has happened. I, I keep asking and going back, but he's not. he hasn't been prosecuted yet. Nothing has been done yet. Not a surprise. Not surprised, I know. Well, hey, I think you're doing excellent work, and I, what you had to Thank say, you. I think every parent should take to heart. This, there is there is no time to just sit and not do anything and think that somebody else is going to do it for you because they're not. Exactly. And uh, if you love your child, get up and change things, make it happen. Absolutely. I think we we'll end with that. Children. We all love our children. Yes, we yes. do. All right. Well, thanks, Marina. It's been a pleasure talking with you and finally Thank got you. everything to work all right. We'll talk again, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. And I'll find that link for you. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner from the Patriot Review. I would like to call your attention to the Patriot Review merch shop. You go to redbloodedpatriots.com and go to shop. You will see a listing of items that you can purchase, uh, specific Patriot Review gear, and uh, even stuff for your pets, as well as our current Communism Sucks line of items. So go ahead and check it out. I think you'll be happy with it. I've purchased some merch myself, as you can see. It's good quality stuff. I'm happy with it, and I know you will be too. Again, the Patriot Review shop is at redbloodedpatriots.com slash shop. Thank you very much, and now back to the show. Hi, it's Jeff at the Patriot Review. Have you been canceled for your beliefs? Get in contact with us through our contact form or email us at redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. We'd like to hear from you and hear your story. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. Hello, Patriots. We're back. Just a reminder, if you're a parent and you'd like to get some help dealing with a school district that you are concerned about, go ahead and check out No Left Turn in Education. It's nolefttern.us is the website. Uh, They can give you material. They can help you out, give you legal advice. So go check that out. So now we're going to talk to Mr. Alan Lee, who is a gentleman who's going to run for president in 2024. And he has a unique view on things and how to take care of things. Uh, I had an interesting conversation with him, and I'm going to share it with you now. Let us know what you think. Leave some comments for us, if you will, uh, regardless of what what uh, platform you're on. It's much appreciated. And, of course, follow, subscribe as well. That'd be awesome. So now here is Alan Lee, the interview. I had cut off on top. No, you're okay. Okay. Welcome back. I have with me Mr. Alan Lee, who is running for president in 2024. Welcome, Alan. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. 
My pleasure. Running for president, that is not what you hear every day. Tell us, sure. yeah, tell us, tell us um, what led you to make the decision that you're going to run in 2024. Well, before I even get into that, I'd like to address all the younger people that are watching and listening. Hopefully, hopefully there's a lot of them too, because they may be looking at me and they're saying, um, "Oh no, another old white guy." <laughs> um, let, let's pick that apart first. Old. Uh, if this is working optimally, which it is in my case, trust me, no problem. And just a couple of weeks ago, I got um, noticed on Facebook by someone who I knew in second grade. And she said, my face is the same. So, um, trust me, the old portion is... You're aging well. Yeah. Uh, old white guy, white. <laughs> you know, I don't know what um, what person came up with that adjective, but um, was he racist or just plain colorblind? Yeah, right. So uh, that's gone, too. And as far as the guy goes, old white guy, well, um, last time I looked, yeah, I'm a guy. I'll, uh, I'll go along with that one. But as long as I was standing, uh, if you don't mind, it's a little commercial. For people who want to try to find my website, you don't even need my name. Just punch in these words. Honest, real, and poor guy, the number four, president. And click on Google Sites. takes you right to my site. Your site? I got your site. Here's your site right here. Uh huh. Sounds so, good. So if they find this, then they're at the right place. Well, they told me you're the best, so thanks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, before I even answer that question, um, I'd like to apologize to you because I may not be able to answer some of your questions. And there's three really valid reasons why. It's not a cop-out. I'd like to run through them right now if that's okay. Go for it. Well, you know, um, every candidate that's ever run or president or anything, in any office, any level, federal, whatever, they have this platform. Um, I don't. Uh, I have one central idea I call my core principle because everything emanates from it. You could call it a platform. Uh, you know, nobody says a platform has to be 10 items or whatever. I have right. just one. And what it is is that um, the people out there, believe it or not, are going to decide their own fate. <laughs> what a novel idea. You know, we the people. Uh, Congress is not going to, the president is not going to, I'm not going to. I developed a system. My whole thing is based on the system where the people are going to be able to choose their own fate. Right now, I'm not in the position, we can get into that exactly a little bit later if you want the details, but right now, I'm not in a position to ask 100 million voters roughly what they want to do about taxes uh-huh. or health care or whatever the heck. So that's one reason why I may not be able to answer your question. My opinion will be there based on their opinion. The second reason is, unlike Trump, I'm going to use him as an example because he's more known as president than Biden right now. Uh, I would not operate in a vacuum. I would de- I depend on people that know what they're doing, experts in the field. I would have more advisors, more counselors, more experts in every endeavor you can think of. Climate change, economics, lawyers, engineers, doctors, down the list. And I would be guided by their judgments. You know, there'd be times when I may be the deciding vote, but nine times out of ten, it's going to be a team effort. And right now, I don't have that pool of experts to pick their brains on right now. So that's the mm-hmm. second reason. And the third reason is, I'm not doing this to play games. I'm really not I'm doing it to win. And it's really two reasons. To save lives and improve the quality of life for people who are alive. Now, if I came out with my personal viewpoint that was to the left, well, then the righties aren't going to vote for me, are they? Same in the other direction. Right. So again, whatever most people want to do, that's what I want to do, and that's it. It's, if you add all that together, I'll do my best to answer your questions, but it might be a little bit hard. So, so I have a question for you. So you're surrounding yourself with experts, and what happens if you end up with a, a Dr. Fauci, who's an expert who has let the American people down with his handling of the COVID crisis? Well, again, I would not be, be depending on one person. I wouldn't depend on one doctor or one lawyer or one engineer. Many experts in each field. Would you come uh, to the point where you would you would make a decision and let a let a person like that go? Well, again, it, uh, if it came down to my personal judgment, and I would have to use that. Yeah. But there may be certain. There's definitely going to be certain categories where we would not even ask the general public their opinion on certain things. There's certain things you can't talk about. You know, like uh, self-defense, military stuff, intelligence mm-hmm. stuff. 
you can't you can't vote on that. What do you want to do about you know um, Iran or something like that? So well, certain things would be excluded. Terrorism is another one. You know? Well, that's a good point. So would you, as president, would you return back to what the Constitution really intended, which is to leave the war powers with Congress? So you'd have, as president, you'd have to go back to Congress to ask for a de- declaration of war before going ahead and attacking somebody. That's something that has gotten lost ever since World War II. Yeah, well, that's a possibility. You're going to have to look at every single detail, everything, everything specifically, but that's, that's a possibility. Yeah, I think, you know, going, because you don't have that, that, stack, that staff of experts around you, the only thing that I can do right now is kind of ask what your opinion is, what which way you lean, which uh, what your thoughts are on um, some of these things that really are based in, on constitutional requirements and stuff. So, so where would you pull the experts uh, from? Academia mostly, from industry, from everything, every, everything, everything. Just like in my in many of my Facebook posts, I put that you know no one is excluded, rich or poor, smart or you know not so smart or tall or short, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Think tanks, just, there's many places to put, to get experts from, including the ones that are up there right now. Right. So would you um, poll poll the people more often as to have a link to the population that is more tangible? Well, that's the basis behind my whole uh, idea. What it's actually called is a um, formula for active participatory government. Uh, don't try to say that three times fast. I can't yeah, say I can't one time that. fast. I can't <laughs> do it. Um, but um, <clears throat> it's about ten, there's 10 steps all listed on my website. I don't have them all in my head, even though I wrote them all. But in general, uh, be picking the um, opinions of the most people, as many people as we can reach through traditional media mm-hmm. and also social media including people like yourself um, from the left and the right, the center, everybody and try to find out what most people want to do. I give them, you know, two choices, you know, the solutions to every problem that mankind has globally, nationally, whatever they're out there. These things have been analyzed by experts already for years and decades. The answers are there. So the very first thing I would do is find the two most common answers to whatever, let's say taxes, for example, Mm -hmm. present the top two choices to the people out there with a chart showing, well, if we do this one, this is going to happen. If we do this one, this is going to happen. You tell me which one you want to do. Then it will formally present that to Congress as the people's choice and say, well, you know, me and you guys are working for the people out there. They told us they want us to do this. Now do it. How do you get around those instances where uh, people are saying they're basically loyal to a particular choice because of politics or political reasons party. or not, well, not necessarily just party, but, you know, there's profiteers on all sides and they don't, yeah, they don't even have yeah. to be, they don't have to even have to be affiliated with a party. Maybe it's a yeah. lo- lobbyist who, you know, is you see all the time, we've got this, we got this uh, study and that study and, you know, you look at the results and it's almost like, a courtroom where you have the prosecution and the defense that bring in two experts and they come in totally opposite conclusions. Mm-hmm. What do you do in that situation? Statistics can be twisted a bit too, naturally. Um, well, again, um, there's no perfect solution. You can't please all the people all the time, as we know. Sure. But this is a democracy, and in democracy, majority rules. So whatever the majority of the people want, that's what I'm going to go for. Well, this is a republic, a representative republic. That's right. And what you're talking about does go more towards a democracy, and, and right. so that's a, that's a different system that uh, Americans, I mean, everybody thinks we're a democracy, but we're not yeah. a representative republic. So, right. so, what do you do? How does that impact the role of those representatives that voters have sent to Washington D.C.? Well, that's where this all comes down to. Um, it's representative government. Um, I can go into why it is, in my opinion, but it doesn't matter at this point. The important point is that the representatives are not representing us. That is true. <laughs> are they? Without That's the whole problem. That's right. That's the whole problem. <laughs> so my formula will uh, take care of that. It will make sure that the pe- people are there 
implement the will of the people. How do you feel about term limits? Uh, again, that's something I haven't delved into too much, but it's probably a good idea because, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, including Supreme mm -hmm. Court justices, for example. Mm -hmm. Most of them are pretty good, but, you know, we're people. Nobody's a robot. Nobody's a computer. Nobody's a Vulcan. So, well, I think I, I think people have found that that is absolutely true, also regardless of gender, because I went to uh, the speech by a black congresswoman who was saying that you know we won't solve our problems until all white men are out of out of politics and and out of Washington D.C. Yeah. Yeah, and what we're finding is, yeah, doesn't matter if you're man or woman, that power corrupts you. I think we've all seen yeah. that. So, so yeah, so um, that is still why I brought up that point in the beginning. An old white guy, you know, these yeah, right. guys are in, they're in control all the time. That's right. Should not be right. Um, okay, so how about healthcare? What What are your thoughts on healthcare? Healthcare. Um, that's one where I haven't gotten into too many details on. I will again pull my um, uh, pool of experts on that. Let's see what works best. I have nothing against Obamacare. It's the best that's come up with it. And, you know, Republicans have been fighting it for like a decade, and they've never been able to come up with anything better. So right now it works. It needs to be tweaked like anything else. Nothing's perfect. But again, if I was up in the top uh, position, I would see if there is something better. Or if we could modify it even more to make it work even better. Yeah, I think Republicans have come up with an alternative, but they haven't come up with an alternative that is sellable to the American people because yeah. the American people have become this, um, we're going to give us as much free crap as you can. You know, as a society, I think we've become the society of McDonald's. You know, McDonald's, everything's instant. we got to have instant gratification or we're going to be upset. Sure. That's you know? for sure. Uh, Throwaway society. You know? Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think that's evident. And, and the other thing that's happened is people have gotten so much more narcissistic and things like social media and stuff, you know, it's all about themselves. And that's changed over time, I think, as well. But So let's talk for a second about foreign policy, then. If you're looking at the current situation today, you see that we have two, two countries in particular that are a threat to the United States in China and Russia. So how do you deal with uh, communist actors like China, who has prison camps right now full of Uyghurs, Muslims, mm -hmm. and uh, house Christians, and, and Fulan Gong practitioners? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have Russia, uh, who's, that, Russia sp that speaks for itself, Putin being an ex-KGB man. I mean, you have two major powers. Yeah. How do you address those challenges? Believe it or not, I don't see it as a problem at all. It's just, yeah, I'm no braggart, I'm no show-off, but I know me. And I have a certain personality. I can relate to anybody on any level. Um, on my website, uh, pages 13 to 15 are my two favorite, three three favorite pages. Um, actually, I think it's 13 and 14, if I remember right. But um, on there is a list of uh, 20 things I would do. If I remember right, that page is... Um, it's called My First Days and Weeks as President, what I would do. And there's 20 things on there. And it does address Russia and China. And I don't remember the details again, but um, it looks like you're pulling it up right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what step it is, but uh, talking about Russia and China, but I, I have enough in my head. We, we can talk about it. So you got a lot laid out here. But, but thanks for pulling it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Those are not in priority order or chronological order. It's just a list that I made. That's all. But uh, but I can give you some details right now. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for showing that up. But um, one thing I can say before I get into those specifics. Well, actually, let's let's get into it right now. Uh, as far as uh, Putin's concerned, for example, uh, and invite him over to the White House, one on one. Uh, no big to do. No state dinner or any of that crap. Let's get down to business. Uh, I'd have a lot of press there, that's for sure, because the press is top priority, in my view, as far as my whole platform is concerned, in general. They are number one, because they are my key to the people out there. 
you know, I have press conferences. The flow of information is going to go both ways. I'm not just going to be telling them what we're trying to do, what we've done. I want to know from them what the people out there are thinking and feeling, what they want me to do. That's and the next time I'll tell the press the other direction. Well, that's what we did. That's a whole other issue. I mean, the press itself is openly hostile to any conservative viewpoint. So if you come back and you say, hey, you know, based on what my experts are telling me, and I'm going to do this, or, you know, this is what I think the right move is based on what everybody wants and, and the experts, um, how do you deal with a press that's hostile to you? Uh, again, a little bit of personality plus, I don't think that would be. But to get back on the, on the topic we started with, uh, I don't have a lot of press there. So uh, I probably would present um, President Putin with a letter and appeal to him on many levels. He's a smart guy. You know, a lot of people say a lot of negative things about him, which may or may not be true. But he's also a really smart guy. And I appeal to him on a humanitarian slash intellectual level, among other things. And explain to him, I'm not going to get into the details right now. I have it all planned in here completely, but enough of it is in there. But I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I will let him know that I know what he's trying to do. And I can help him do it. But we have to work together. And again, the details I, I wouldn't want to get into right now. But China... What, what, um, wait a minute, before we go on, from Putin, what, what if Putin says, well, what I'm trying to do is I want to take over the Ukraine, which is a sovereign country right now? Well, uh, again, highly specific questions like that, I would have to consult my experts on that one again. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just talking about as far as general, in general, what he's trying to do. Um, I understand what he's trying to do, and I can help him do certain things as long as it's not hurting other people, of course, mm-hmm. taking over other countries. But uh, as far as what's inside here for him, I, I think I know what he's trying to do. And I really would like to talk to him about that one-on-one. And uh, certain things that I agree with, I would like to help him with, and we can work together on that. Um, as far as China goes, you know, China is what they are now because of us. We invested in the country decades ago. We brought them into almost from a third, you know, an undeveloped third developing country, undeveloped. If we did not, we, if we did not bring our companies over there and invest as we did, they would have been decades behind where they are right now. Yeah, but China could have, China had the choice not to be a communist country that puts in, um, you know, that that is a. Uh, brutal uh, country that murders people. Well, it's an autocracy. It's a dictatorship. By the thousands. Yeah, but that's what the United States is not responsible for. Oh, I know that. I'm talking about their economic power. Well, certainly. We forfeited our own economic power. We sent our jobs across the seas for cheap labor is what we did. That's right. And they got their political, military power because of the economic power. Mm -hmm. So it all came from us. They owe us is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So we have we have to work we have to work together. I would not be trying to eliminate China. Like that's would be slightly impossible anyway. How do you <laughs> handle, a, how do you handle the human rights violations though? <clears throat> do you feel that a president a president has to say to China, Hey, look, this has got to stop, and then we can work together? How do you approach that? Of course, definitely. And uh, uh, a hot topic for me, which I like to talk about as far as foreign relations go in general, um, economic sanctions. It's the stupidest idea ever thought of. I can't believe in presidents that I like have done it. And I don't remember all the details in my head, but I'll tell you what I, what I think. Um, let's, let's give an example. Sure. Um, some country, country does something that we don't like. It's usually killing their own people. So we say, okay, we're going to put sanctions on you guys now. Let's see what happens. You have to remember the mentality of the of the dictator that's in this country. It's it's almost always a dictator. I'm not going to name names or countries specifically. Um, that type of person doesn't give a damn about his people. The proof is he's killing them already. So if we put sanctions on their country, which is, those people are already living under harsh conditions because it's the dictatorship. You talk about shortages of toilet paper. Are you kidding? They have nothing. Now we put sanctions on them. They're going to have even less nothing. You think it's going to hurt the, the dictator? No. Of course not. He, he's the top dog. He can get he can get Philip Young, the top you know wine in, in in the world. He can get anything. It doesn't hurt him at all. Yeah. 
I think the theory is that, number one, the sanctions don't work. Well, I think number the theory, two. Before you go on, I think the theory is that uh, the it does affect the people, and that's what pushes the people into not accepting the regime and doing something for themselves. That's the theory behind. Yeah, but it, it doesn't work with a dictator like that. Only just kill his people even more. In fact, that's what that's their initial reaction. Reaction is always that, almost always that. He says, well, you put sanctions on me. Guess what? I'm going to kill even more of my people. And guess what? He does. So what happened? How, if, besides just going straight to war with some of these countries, uh, what are your alternatives to war and or sanctions? Well, of course, um, diplomacy. I didn't get into all the reasons why I don't like the, the economic sanctions, but we can, we can skip that for now. But one thing I would do, uh, if it came down to the wire, where uh, they're hurting a lot of people, maybe uh, an adjacent countries being hurt or threatened, and we really have to do something. We have to. Uh, what I would do is um, tell the, um, the very directly the president of that country, prime minister, whatever, whatever his category is, the dictator, not going to call himself that, and tell him, listen, we have our missiles trained on these particular coordinates, one of your military bases. You have 30 minutes to get your people the heck out of there because we're going to blow the heck out of it. And again, the people that work there, they have no choice. They're not mm-hmm. a dictator. They have to do their job or they get shot. So they don't deserve to die. The equipment needs to be eliminated, but not the people. Yeah. So I give them 30 minutes to get out of there, and hopefully they will. And then we push the button and blow the heck out of it. Yeah. The United States and Israel actually do practice that in, in situations where the target is not occupying the building. Yeah. So, you know, I understand what you're saying. And the sanction part of it has an interesting history. And you could spend a whole show talking about sanctions. If you look, probably the most famous example is the World War II sanction, the uh, embargo on Japanese oil, which pushed the Japanese into declaring war on us, attacking us, yeah. because they didn't have oil to, uh, you know. For anything. They, well, they didn't have oil to expand their empire which is what they were focused yeah. on at the time but so yeah so there's people on both sides of every issue and sanctions is certainly one that uh like you said we could we could talk we could do the whole show on that but um do you want to share the other reasons that you don't believe in sanctions i think you started oh yeah well again number one um it makes it worse uh, number two uh, directly or indirectly we have trade with that country so it's going to affect our economy as well. And even if, even if it doesn't directly, it's going to affect our allies because they have trade with that country too. There's some more reasons why it doesn't work. Um, I think we're like five. I can't remember the rest, but that, that's enough. The, the major reason is it's just going to kill his own people and it doesn't work. What do you do with people who are so rich that they, they can affect a country's political leaning or affect an election or, you know, the, the right would point to George Soros, who has a history of manipulating the currency of countries, and the left would point to the Koch brothers, you know, what do you, what do, you do with, with those, those people or those major corporations that um, you know, are pushing for things to happen a certain way? Well... You know, you could just about name the topic, and I have put posts on it. I have hundreds of posts, hundreds. Um, <clears throat> I have a big one about taxes. Uh, develop, you know, everybody talks about what to do about that. Um, a lot of the people that um, want to make uh, some kind of a change to the tax system, they're always going to the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich. Well, I say that too, of course. But, you know, it's their money. They did earn it, hopefully mm-hmm. legally. It's their money. I'm not going to put Jeff Bezos in the poorhouse or Elon Musk. But, of course, I would tax them far more than they are now. But I've run through the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a quantitative kind of guy. And, again, I don't have it all in my head. But um, if I remember right, it's on one of my posts again. Um, the middle class, lower middle class, and the poor people, of course, that would not raise their taxes at all. They could barely pay what they're paying already. Right. So that's, that's a given. Uh, the richer people, again, they would pay significantly more than they are right now. But if you add up the numbers, it's not enough. 
that's not enough for what we need to do. Or never There's will. a whole category of people, a whole range of people that nobody talks about. But I'm going to talk about right now. It is the upper middle class. People making, say, 100,000 on up, quarter of a million, half a million. There are many millions of families like that, millions of them, mm-hmm. dozens of millions. If you increase in a sliding scale prorated, I think the first one was, I did it was, I think it was 100,000. If you increase those people 3,000 a year, which is only like $65 a week, it's like nothing. You know, coffee money, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you multiply a medium or even a small number times a big number, you get a really big number. So if you take that category of people and you tax them prorated, the more you make, the more you pay, it adds a lot of money. So you're talking about a flat tax rate? Prorated. Okay. The more you make, the more you pay. Okay. And you get tens of billions of dollars just from that, if not a hundred billion. I forget the exact number. It's all my, one of my posts. But And that is enough. If you add it up, I, came, I think it came to about 200 billion a year just by doing that additional on top of what the government has right now. So do you completely dump the current tax code and go with uh, an increasing flat tax scale based on income? That's your vision? Well, again, I would consult the economists for that. This is what I came up on my own. Yes, sir. And as far as corporations, ditto. You know, right. uh, I have a post about that too. A lot of people have said that uh, you can't tax corporations. It's going to put things out of business and hurt the economy, blah, blah, blah. That is totally untrue. During the recession, that's when Obamacare came out. And a certain category of people were taxed at a higher rate. Guess what? Corporations' profits still increased. Didn't no, even right. level off. This was during the recession. His average growth was like 0.8%. I mean, he's but he was a terrible president for growth in the, in in uh, in industry. Uh, but I, I get I do get what you're saying that those corporations uh, still survived while that thrived. That, that was going on uh, during the pandemic. Now, ditto. Same thing. Of course, certain things got hurt, yeah. depending on the specifics, depending on the, the pandemic. But in general. Businesses are doing very well. Yeah, um, we're almost to the half hour, and I want to I want to make sure that I get your vision for the future, your campaign, how people can help, um, what specific types of people you're looking for, and where where do you want them to go? I appreciate that. <clears throat> well, you know, recently I joined some conservative uh, platforms like uh, Parler and MeWe and uh, I forget, uh, SafeChat, I think was another one. Uh, Gab is another one. And we're putting posts on there, uh, similar to the ones I did on the other sites. And guess what? I'm getting likes. People like what I say because it doesn't matter if you're left or right because they know I got your back. Um, you know, I would only fire people to my administration for two reasons. One, they didn't do their job. Two, if they lie. And the reason is... Um, Everything I ever try to do is based on getting the proper information. Lives are at stake, hundreds of billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. What's going to be wasted? People are going to die because this idiot lied to me. Not only are you fired, hopefully you're going to jail. But um, <laughs> so again, I'm not appealing to any specific group. I'm appealing to the majority of the people are dicks that want to help everybody. Right. Like I said, tall, short, that is for smart, sure. not so smart, black, white. I don't care whatever you are, rich or poor. Yeah, I think people lost that. I think I was just talking to some other guests yesterday, um, you know, and I made the comment, people are basically generally good. And I think, you know, people got in their corners and people have forgotten that and just assigned this, hey, you're evil because you don't agree with me type of thing. But I really want to get to, do people go through your website to contact you, to help you with your campaign coming up? Um, Where do you want to direct those people to go? I would say to my um, Facebook group or to the website again, and I'll show it off again. Just you know, just punch in those words. Honest, real. You don't need the parentheses. And poor guy, the number four president. Click on Google Sites. It takes you right to me. Okay. Um, and your Facebook page is titled what? Your group page? Uh, it's the same thing. Honest, real, and poor guy for president. Okay, awesome. So what's your next step then in, in getting your campaign moving? 
Well, believe it or not, I tried to do this in 2020, uh, running against Trump. But um, I didn't even file with the FEC because I didn't get far enough. I had no idea when I first started doing this. I was never into politics my whole life. I was always a STEM guy, and I still am. But I could do both. I had no idea that the only problem I would have is such a catastrophic one, too, is getting people know out there that, that I'm alive, spreading yeah. the word. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievably hard. It is very difficult. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's my next step. And I actually haven't done what you and I are doing right now. I didn't do that back in 2020, trying to spread the word this way. So I'd like to thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So our, our time is up right now. I, I have to tell you, very interesting conversation. And I have to give you a lot of credit because... A lot of people sit by the sideline and complain and, and do nothing. And here you are. So There's people dying out there. Somebody's got to do something. Yeah, it's exactly, ridiculous. Exactly right. So thank you, Alan, very much. And I wish you all the best, my friend. And um, during the next, the upcoming years here, if you, if you want to come back, um, you're certainly welcome to come back and talk about things as you progress. I really appreciate that. And please send me the link so I can spread the word whenever you complete it. I will do that. Thank you, sir. Well, have a good rest of the day. You as well. Thanks. Thank you. Take care. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. That'll wrap up episode 23, everyone. Thank you for being here and watching. As always, ask you to subscribe, follow, like, etc., depending on what platform you're on. Now, this next episode, next Sunday, I will be again streaming live. So I hope you join us for that episode and for the live chat. Tell your friends. See you next time. <laughs>